0: This is Dyer with Northwest Nerd, coming at you live-ish from Ensign Haddock's apartment. Uh, Haddock's and Haddock's. we have both Haddix's here tonight, you might hear folks in the background. We have a crudité in front of us of plate of vegetables and Caesar dressing, because Caesar dressing is superior to ranch dressing, Munching on this plate with me in the room is the Geek Boots Military Nerds. They are a podcast, a stream, a YouTube channel, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. From Geek Boots Military Nerds with me is Tom and J4 Prop. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hey. They're so excited to be here right now. You have <laughs> no idea. Um, before we get into talking... With Geek Boots Military Nerds, we have a feature story about a rather unique corner of central Washington, Wenatchee, where a man has been inspired by many things in life, but among them, he has been inspired by magic. The Gathering. There is really no other way to put this. Thaddeus Dean. It's kind of awesome. For starters, his name is Thaddeus Dean, but also, you know, awesome in a certain rough and tough kind of way. After his time as a Navy SEAL, he went into fighting wildfires across the Washington backcountry. Even that is putting it lightly. He would rappel out of helicopters into the middle of a blaze. Then, he spent years traveling the globe, doing hard work laying down fiber optic cable. It was a pretty intense career, but most of this time, whether in the military or jumping out of helicopters, Thaddeus used magic, the gathering, the card game.
1: My military background, I'm a Navy SEAL, so I wouldn't waste my time with something that was frivolous or silly. Magic the Gathering is definitely not that. It bridges the generation gap, for people um, brings people from all walks of life young and old white collar blue collar doesn't matter you're a magic player sitting at the table how good are you go at one point
0: thaddeus switched paths settled into his home community of wenatchee for the long haul and started up a shop primarily dedicated to magic the gathering just a few short years after the game itself debuted but this story isn't necessarily about thaddeus not entirely this story is about Sanctuary, a shop in Wenatchee dedicated to Magic the Gathering and a bit more.
1: My name is Thaddeus Dean. I'm the sole proprietor of Sanctuary, a game store activity center that focuses on Magic the Gathering. I've been called the King and geeks sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I have. <laughs> You know, behind it all, I was like, even as a SEAL, I was still playing Dungeons & Dragons a little bit on the side. A girlfriend at that time was playing it with me. It was the movies, you know, comic books. Geek's still there. Always has been. It's integrally part of me. Thaddeus
0: is a pretty self-evident type of guy, says Sir, speaks firmly. He often talks in military time, so, you know, instead of 5 o'clock, it's 1700. He promotes honesty and a sense of honor. And you can see how his shop is a tool to teach those virtues in fact the sign on the front of sanctuary states honor mental exercise and atmosphere
1: uh, i've analyzed you know life i'm 50 years old here coming in a couple couple days here and I've uh, been around the block a few times and what's really important isn't the physical things you know the the monetary things it's it's family and so i believe in family god and country and that drives me and i try to help promote that mentality with the people i have contact with here at the store thaddeus grew up
0: around the wenatchee valley mainly in leavenworth and in the town of wenatchee
1: well straight out of high school i joined the navy and managed to make it through seal training i was stationed at seal delivery vehicle team one did all the workups for deployment and everything and then at the end of my service um 93, I came back home. My mom got a, already set me up with a job with the Forest Service. And so I, I worked in Leavenworth with an engine crew fighting forest fires. And then the next year, I wanted to do something a little more high speed. So I checked out the smoke jumpers and the repellers and decided I would do the repelling. And for the next two years, I was a repeller in Chelan.
0: The end of his military service was in 1993, around the same time Magic the Gathering was first released. At this time, Wizards of the Coast was a small operation growing out of Renton. After the Navy and a few years working wildfires, he got a job based out of Seattle for a fiber optics company. At times, he would be sent far and wide to lay down fiber optic cable. The Gulf of Mexico for one job, Malaysia for another. But Wenatchee, that was always his home base.
1: 1993 is when Magic arguably came out. Some say 92, 93, right in there. But uh, I started playing about spring of 93 and started to play. And, well, you can obviously see how it's changed my life. Strategy, it's like poker and chess at the same time with fantasy and Dungeons & Dragons kind of an idea and stuff. So I was like, it was perfect for me.
0: Even when he was traveling, laying down fiber optic cable, Thaddeus was helping foster a bit of a magic scene back in Wenatchee. They'd meet up at their local pizza shop for it, a place called Abbey's.
1: And eventually it started hitting 40, 50 people showing up regularly and then I go away do a job come back and it would be gone I wouldn't be doing it anymore so when the injury happened that's where that all kind of came together and gelled into possibly starting a business and, and that's what I did in March 10th 1999.
0: the injury that's when things changed Thaddeus was working for the fiber optics company and one day he fell off the side of a ship. A pretty bad fall.
1: Oh yeah, it, it could have killed me, but I was, I've was i studied some martial arts and stuff, and I tucked in midair and twisted my body, and I avoided the lower railing and then took the entire impact into my back right shoulder and instead of my back going across the lower iron railing and such. And um, it changed me. The damage changed my shoulder, so I wasn't able to, f- to do all the jobs, the heavy physical work that I used to do in my past.
0: Going back to the Navy... Thaddeus had work, honorable work, work that he felt made a difference. And as he healed from his injuries, he had a lot of time to consider what the next phase of his life would look like. And then it came to him.
1: I was laying in bed one night after the injury, and um, I was sleeping, and I woke up with the name of the store and everything I wanted to do about it just in my head. I was so excited. I wrote for like two days, eventually got myself over here and started up Sanctuary in 99. I could see that, yeah, you know, Sanctuary, if it actually does what I think it can do, um, I could start a business with it.
0: Magic the Gathering had only been around for about six years at that point. Its parent company, Wizards of the Coast, had done well in a relatively short period of time, going from a basement operation, selling a collectible card game, to growing into its and headquarters with hundreds of employees, acquiring the rights to the classic Dungeons and & Dragons, and ultimately being bought by Hasbro in 1999, the year that Thaddeus wanted to open up a shop primarily focused on magic. So just over the mountains from Wizards of the Coast HQ in Wenatchee, he set up Sanctuary. It's actually right next to the same pizza shop he previously set up games, and it's still there more than 20 years later. Thaddeus credits that to the principles he puts into the shop. His mission to inspire younger generations with positivity to be honorable.
1: Sanctuary has evolved over the years. That's definite. Um, But it was core principles that allowed it to get to where we're at. Staying positive, you know, try to help somebody else out if you can. I see that happen here with other customers where they'll just help one another, you know, and, and such. And I encourage that when I see people being Nice to such a degree, I you know I encourage it and help them, um, give them special deals and, and such like that. I think it's important that we all keep that in mind. This world can be so much better if we just try to make it better and, and don't try to cut somebody else down for your own profit. Sure, this is a business. I have to make enough money to pay the overhead and, and myself and have a life and everything like that. But long ago, I made a decision. It, my life was not going to be about money. It was just going to be about trying to promote a positive, you know, make the world a better place than it was when I first came in.
0: In the corner of Sanctuary, there is even a swear jar, just in case things get too intense. After it reaches $100, he will hold a tournament for it.
1: I'm military, Navy guy, right? Football player. I've been in the locker room. I don't want the door to open up and a mom and four young kids come in tow and walking into a you know, swearing store kind of a thing. So I promote a no-swear policy during the day, up until 2100, nine o'clock at night, where I loosen the belt. And um, during the day, I, I give warnings. Sometimes people slip and say something. Hey, you know, language. I decide, okay, you got to pay a quarter for for swearing. And if you don't pay the quarter, you have to leave for the day. They always eventually cough it up. Swear jar eventually does hit a hundred dollars. And when we hit a hundred dollars, I hold a special tournament. First place gets sixty dollars. Sec- second place gets twenty five. Third gets fifteen. So the money comes into the store to protect what I'm trying to do here, but yet goes back to we the people at the end of it all. So it's a nice little cycle. I also compete for it as well.
0: (laughs) There have been five such swear jar tournaments in Sanctuary's 20-year history. No one slipped up and had to pay into the jar when I visited to interview Thaddeus. Right next to us, groups of Magic players sat at a long table, some in their teens, others in their 20s, perhaps older.
1: Obviously, I'm a hub for Magic the Gathering. That's the predominantly bread and butter of the store. It brings people together from all walks of life. We have a valley here, the Wenatchee Valley, that goes all the way from Wenatchee to Leavenworth and and the little cities in between Kashmir, Prashast, and Dryden, etc. I have found sanctuary here located in Wenatchee. allows me to draw in about a two-hour radius around me fairly easily. Oh, yeah, I got people that sometimes I don't see them for a couple of months, but then they show up and, you know, they might drop a couple hundred dollars or so and, and get product and stuff. Sometimes they come over for the pre-release or the launch party, uh, and people love the gaming, you know. It gives them a, an outlet to do something different and uh, put their stress off to the side. So once you're at the table, you're just a magic player. Go.
0: Today, Sanctuary is a service at its core, a resource for Magic the Gathering in the Wenatchee Valley. It's not uncommon for Thaddeus to field phone calls and answer questions about the game from players at home. Spend enough time in Sanctuary, it becomes more. It's an extension of Thaddeus, a man motivated by his love of God, country, and family. And games. Inside Sanctuary, Thaddeus says he went from being a warrior in the physical sense to more of a spiritual warrior. His way of influencing people with positivity, and in turn, the world.
1: I've been here for a long time, 20 years plus, and I have eras. I think of it as an eras. Eras of different groups of kids that have come through the pipeline, and sometimes they come back, they move back to town, they get married, they have their kids, and now they're coming in with their kids. So I feel very honored to do what I do. Sometimes they just come in and say, hey, I am so glad you're still running Sanctuary, that you're doing what you're doing. It was important to, m- to me in my life. And one of them actually showed me a tattoo that says Sanctuary on it. And he's doing his life story on it, and Sanctuary's in it. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's so cool. It's like this every day. And sometimes there's only two, sometimes there's 12, but um, it's very much alive and well. And um, I'm very appreciative of Wizard of Coast, all that they do. I'm not in agreement with some of the things that they might do, But uh, that's the thing that we all as a people in society need to come to understand, is that we may not agree, but we can still get along. And that's important to convey as well. At the end of the day, we're people.
0: Okay, so Sanctuary... Is about Thaddeus Dean. He's very patriotic. He's a veteran of the military, so I felt that was really apt for our guests, which is why I invited Geek Boots, military nerds, to come on to Northwest Nerd for this episode. Welcome, Tom and J4 Props. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in, and actually, uh, not only am I kind of weaving in that uh, military connection here, uh, you are actually our very first guest host that we've had on the podcast. This is like a new format that we're trying out to include other podcasters, creators, other geeks in the scene here in the Northwest. Uh, And yeah, you guys are our inaugural guest host. No pressure. So I guess don't screw it up is what I'm saying.
2: I'll try not to blow anything up. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Um, I wanted to kind of convey a little bit of an anecdotal story to talk about Uh, that feature and kind of why I did it because initially I I saw a little post on Facebook about Thaddeus and about Sanctuary out in Wenatchee but there was one Facebook post in particular that caught my eye Um, I just want to read this it was by well I'm not going to read the young gentleman's name he wrote an essay for a college scholarship and Thaddeus reposted this essay if you want to read it you can go find the April 12th 2018 post on Sanctuary's Facebook page I'm just going to read segments of this, uh, not the full thing, because it is rather lengthy. Uh, starts off saying, Churches provided legal sanctuary for those fleeing persecution through the 17th century. A convict only had to invoke sanctuary, and legal pursuers would be turned aside out of sacred respect for the church. The game store in my town could not be more aptly named, although Sanctuary does not offer legal protection. It is a haven of relaxation for people who don't always fit the social norm. Being accepted is given at sanctuary. Then he goes on to say, uh, with the carefully crafted environment and the love of magic, Thaddeus transformed the small game shop into a real force for social good and playful learning by providing a home and thus a sanctuary to those without He performs a tremendous service to the community. He says games um, inspire joy. And Thaddeus in his store represents compassion, courtesy, acceptance, and good sportsmanship. When I read that, that was kind of the turning point for me. I said, I got to go out to Wenatchee and find out exactly who is this guy and what's he all about. And I found, actually, I think Thaddeus is quite a fun character just in general. And I really like talking with him. So if you are in Wenatchee, if you like magic give a little stop into Sanctuary. You guys at uh, Geek Boots Military Nerds generally kind of talk about the cross-section of geek culture and your life in the military. I mean, did anything that Thaddeus say, anything he was talking about kind of ring true for you guys? or, Or what has been your personal story being a geek in the military?
3: I mean, I really respect the fact that he's taking his military values and instilling it into the environment and in a professional standard around him. Because he couldn't be more right. If a kid's present, even I, not even military-related, but even I really hate it when people are swearing around children. If you're 10 feet within a child, you should not be swearing at all. That's just how I live. So the fact that he lives up to that standard and uses his military background to uphold it, I fully respect that. Um, And the fact that someone says it's a sanctuary, I kind of feel like... However he has molded this environment, if he has used his military background, through my personal experiences, it couldn't be closer to the truth. It that's That's really awesome. I've had a lot of diverse experiences within the military in mm-hmm. terms of being safe. It's not always the case, as in every environment, but... That rings true for me. I I like it. Yeah.
0: How about you, J4? In your experience, you're still in the military right now. Um, Being a geek, especially I think on uh, your level, you make these props. This is a very expressive, creative process. If someone was going to basically start pulling out stereotypes, someone would probably not line up those as a mixture for someone in the military. I mean, what, what has been your experience making these prop, and by the way, you were up for best prop maker in the Northwest geek awards recently. So you are pretty well established with what you do.
2: Um, yeah, decently established. I'm still pretty new, new at this. Um, but I'm getting better and stuff like that. Uh, but as far as my experience in the military goes, um, things are, ch- have changed quite a bit since I first joined. Cause I've, I've been in for 12 years now. Oh, wow! uh, when I first, when I first joined, um, the nerdy geeky things were not as accepted as they are now. Okay, uh, it was it was very much a faux pas to be into video games or you know the World of Warcraft stereotypes that you saw yeah. in uh, in uh, that episode of um, uh, South Park. Uh, th- that that was that was the kind of the okay. the the viewpoint. From a lot of the people that had been in for a long time, uh, but that that's really kind of gone away. It's it's not completely, but it's it's definitely changing um, to the points where I have seen magic tournaments, like mini magic tournaments, um, while deployed. Oh, uh, really? Yes, just people throwing them together. Um, have if I don't know if you guys have heard of extra life, but last year on base, um, they actually had a an extra life um, event where some people got together and did a land party, um, while trying to raise money. Um, so it, it, there's definitely been been a paradigm sh- paradigm shift in the military as far as that goes, where it's, it's becoming more accepted. Uh, demographics are changing to where just, you're getting so many more diverse people that different ideas on, f- um, what is supposed to be like the masculine thing to
0: do are definitely changing. And now it's, you know, pretty much anything goes as long as you're not hurting anybody. You know, that's interesting. Can I make an observation? Because so you mentioned 12 years ago, and it's changed within that time frame. It's 2020 now, which means 12 years ago is when the first Iron Man film came out. Within that that time span, we've gone through the entire, how, I don't know how many phases that they decided to add on to the Marvel films. So we've gone through the entire storyline of that Thanos right up to Endgame do you think that maybe that there's been kind of a culture change through I don't, I don't want to credit all Marvel but I would absolutely mm, agree okay. with that. Yeah. Um
2: hell even uh, I was never really that big of a Marvel fan. I liked DC comics ish. Um wasn't that much of into comic books, but I liked like the Batman the animated series uh, TV show oh, yeah. back in the day and and I was Justice League. I was way more into like Batman, Superman, Flash, uh, yeah. Nightwings my favorite uh, comic book character. Um, however, comma... Under does not get enough credit for, right? for how cool that character is. Right? However, comma, uh, Iron Man, the first movie, came out while I was going through my tech training. So, I oh, yeah. had just finished basic training. Um, I was still, like, when I went to go see that movie, I had to wear my blues. Because we weren't adult enough yet to be able to go out and wear <laughs> civilian clothes. Um, mm-hmm. So, like me and my friends were all sitting there in our blues in the in the theater getting to watch this movie and the first scene you see in that movie um he's in that humvee with a bunch of airmen yeah wearing the uniform uh, our air, air, air airman battle with dress uniform uh which is going away it's no longer a thing but um but yeah they they so that really resonated with me and so the MCU as that's developed really like it's Followed my career, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's become a big part of my life. My kids love love it now. Now that I'm a dad too, so that there's that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why like most of my the cosplays that I've done have been MCU based stuff because mm-hmm. I just it's. It's really, I, I would say that it has had a huge impact on that geek culture
0: in the military. So, and for the civilians out there, the blues mean essentially just your- the dress. The, the dress, dress uniforms. Uniform. Yeah, that's just what you wear to go out and uh, and look nice, essentially. Yes. It's not so much the camo stuff folks are probably normally yeah. associating. And I, I
3: couldn't agree more. Um, I remember my moment specifically when I was stationed in Korea and Avengers was coming out soon. And we were all talking about the original- Civil War comic book and of course there were there was a couple of people who were only into Marvel because of the movies and then me and me and one of my battle buddies who had read the comic books and he goes oh man I love Iron Man and we went "Mm, just wait to see what happens (laughs) like and they're like what so there was this interesting finally correlation where we could talk about Marvel uh, comic books because they like the movies we've already read the comic books and it, I wouldn't say for me personally, it was a shame thing. It was just more of a, I don't want to talk about this. If nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. But so, do you feel like they created a common ground? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It sounds like you were a nerd already. Oh yeah. 100%. And then you joined the military. Do you guys feel that more nerds are joining the military? Is that just the cultural shift? You mentioned that there was a lot more just diverse types of people that enter into the military at this point.
3: Yes. I would say that. And, and almost a mixed bag, if you will, because on, on one hand, you get nerds who are joining the military, and then on the other hand, you get guys in the military who are becoming nerds. Okay. So.
0: <laughs> well, I think with that, I want to make sure that folks have a little bit of an overview of what Geek Boots Military Nerds is. I mentioned in the intro, it's a podcast, it's a stream, it's a YouTube channel, It's a cluster of people that you can find a lot of content from. Uh, Elevator Speech Style, what exactly is Geek Boots Military Nerds? It's a platform.
3: Simply put, I was inspired by the company called Black Rifle Coffee. They had... Are uh, they local? They are not. Although, hilariously enough, Matt Best, when he was in his active duty Ranger days, was stationed in Fort Lewis. Okay. And then Evan... The CEO of Black Rifle was actually stationed out here in Washington uh, during his National Guard days before he went to become a Green Beret. And then one of their members, Eli Doubletap, he was he lived, I believe, in Woodenville before he okay. joined the army. So, so
0: I'm going to claim that as a Northwest connection, though. It's a total Northwest co-op right? that right. as a Northwest coffee company.
3: Right. But I uh, I was following them pretty closely and I got inspired by something that Evan Hafer had stated, which is simply uh, creating um, a culture to help bridge the gap. And I wanted to be able to do that, but about nerdy geeky things because me personally, when I go through Comic-Con and not everybody wants to have a conversation about military strictly. So let's talk about Captain America because then you have that capability. So it's a platform that allows bridging the gap between civilians and the military to have a conversation Um, and then on top of that, it allows other members of the military who are total nerds to be able to find each other and say, Oh my God, look at this thing that represents me. That's so cool. On our Instagram, I get one or two every other week that find us, follow us, message us, saying, Oh my God, this is awesome. Um, are you guys local? What are you guys doing? And of course we always let them know what our cons are and things like that. So ultimately It's a platform where I can finally bridge the gap so people can understand uh, the military a lot more and to allow the military to be openly nerdy.
0: Like It kind of fills in that gap between geek, military, civilian. Mm -hmm. Um, I am mostly aware of you guys through your YouTube channel. Uh, So when I go back and I check into what you guys are doing, what you guys are talking about, I find it through YouTube channel. But... uh, Therefore, I know that it's not just you both that are on there. You have a little bit of a cluster of folks on it. So who else is involved in this operation? So
3: my intention when I wanted to cast everybody, I wanted to try and get one person per branch. And of course, our J4 props here with us tonight. Um, When I talked to him originally, I was like, I was thinking about creating some type of material for the military. He's like, I am so in, I'm like, sweet. So then I thought, all right, I got to get one guy from the Navy, one person from the Marines and, and, no one cares about the
2: coast guard. So, (laughs) so (laughs) the coast guard is a real branch. We, we accept you. We do. We do. But it's, it's like
3: the sibling rivalry thing where you got to at least put them in their place and remind them who's boss. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No. So I found single dad, AKA point blank shot photography on Instagram. And I told him, your Navy. I was like, your Navy, I would love it if you had, if, I, if you were on our podcast. He's like, sweet. So, not missing a, a step or a beat, he immediately knew what I wanted and he went out and found a Marine and he didn't realize we already had J4 so he found Cosplay Genemy who's also Air Force. So I was like, I'm not going to say no because A, she has over 10,000 followers on Instagram and B, I really, I was talking to her a little bit and I liked her angle. I was like, I need that diversity on my show. Besides, it would be really nice to, you know, not have a whole bunch of dudes in one chick.
0: Tell me about it, guys. So uh, beyond that, you guys uh, are moving from the uh, platform of YouTube onto the platform of Emerald City Comic Con. This is your first panel? Okay, so Emerald City Comic Con 2020, a panel for Geek Boots military nerds. Your very first one, what can folks expect?
3: Um, So we're going to talk about uh, geek culture within the military, how it helps transition. We're going to talk about being in the military and enjoying geek culture, kind of like a flip side of the coin. That's what they asked of us specifically. Um, And we're also going to really talk about transitioning because it's very important, at least to me, to let our audience that don't really view us a whole lot to know. It's one of the biggest struggles within the military, and we're here because we would like your help to not feel so alone.
0: Can you define that struggle? Because I I don't think folks often hear about that. I think they hear about, and I think you were talking about this off mic a little bit. I think folks are aware of the PTSD thing. We had a veteran on last week on our mental health panel talking about PTSD, Doc, and his experience with it. But it's not the first time I've heard someone in the military say, uh, yeah, but getting out of the military was a hard uh, transition. It was not frictionless.
3: Right. Uh, There's actually a meme that uh, represents this really well, and it's by the guys from Black Rifle Coffee, funny enough, and Matt Best's character is sitting there, and everyone's looking at him weird, and the caption reads, military versus civilians, when you realize you can't go everywhere. (laughs) so essentially what it captivates is the military has a sense of humor and it is not for public okay like being in the military is this interesting concoction and combination of being introvert and being extrovert Mm -hmm. almost at the same time and i only say it because you're sitting there you're listening to everybody else do their thing and you're just kind of getting a feel for the area seeing if maybe they can They can take what you're about to dish. Mm -hmm. And then um, the extrovert part is when they are capable of doing it, on top of that, when you find other people who either support the military so they understand it or they are military and all of a sudden you want to go right through that door, kick down that door and go, hi, what's up, let's talk. So it's that interesting back and that becomes a struggle because sometimes – you're not as introvert as you would like to be. You crack your joke and you get those odd looks. You say these these things or you have a certain way that you handle your business. And when you see these other civilians doing it the way they do, you struggle. You struggle to find your ground. You struggle to find your footing and figure out how you're going to handle it. Because you can't grab them like you would in the military. Take them around so no one else sees and go, why are you being such a idiot? because no one is going to respect that
0: and it would be rather (laughs) odd to pull someone in that middle of the grocery store and yeah uh, yeah. them around (laughs) the corner (laughs) when you say that about like making jokes not being funny just try making jokes and just not being funny in general which is generally the case of myself on this podcast and i just will not learn my lesson i think you're funny thank you looking um so (laughs) that too and when is this panel
3: uh yeah, March fifteenth, Sunday, uh at the Hive Workshop-TCCL2R4 between 1 45 p.m. and 2 45 p.m.
0: So after your evening going to Northwest Nerds cosplay contest at the Ray Gun Lounge, which is the Saturday night before, you can wake up and go to the podcast, uh not podcast, the panel for Geek Boots Military Nerds. Hard um, pass. <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> and with that we are going to get on to what we have you here for as guest hosts oh boy we're gonna get to the news tom holland's was recently caught off guard by IGN. Tom Holland, obviously, uh, the new Spider-Man, the best Spider-Man, in my humbly correct opinion. Um, He mentioned that he and Chris Pratt have discussed organizing a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, and not just with them. They want to pull in a bunch of other Avengers actors to kind of do this campaign. Now, this sounds very much like Critical Role, which is comprised of voice actors. In this case, we're going to have Avengers celebrities, of course, I think it should be pointed out. Uh, and this is a story, by the way, that was brought to us by Brandon, who's very excited about this. Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are promoting their movie right now, which is off the top of my head. I cannot remember what Onward. That is. Onward. Thank you very much. Which is like a parody of Dungeons and Dragons of sorts, an animated parody of sorts. Um, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but they're in a van.
2: Well, it's like mo- like your your typical fantasy like world evolved into like our modern
0: right yeah so in this case though I would totally see how somebody in a cubicle somewhere in Hollywood is basically thinking like well, how can we get the how can we launch off of this promotion we already have geek culture with the Avengers we've got two Avengers right now in an onward animated thing Then, of course this D&D podcasting thing is super hot right now though it sounds like they're gonna stream this Uh I could see totally see somebody in that cubicle going okay This is gold. We'll we'll do the celebrity influencer thing, and we'll just pack them into a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I almost felt like that almost cheapens it a little bit. I'm hoping it's a little bit more natural than than that. I don't care. Shut up and take my money. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So you so you're totally into this? Oh, I'm totally into it. Really? Okay. So I'm wondering though if this is going to be an extension of it with new media kind of coming into the fold, whether it's podcasting or this. Critical Role, though they were doing this anyway, and a few of those members were new to Dungeons & Dragons, but they got involved and it became an extension of their celebrity of sorts. Now I'm wondering if, like, Friends is going to come back to HBO. Someone's going to be like, all right, Friends, we're going to do some kind of campaign thing with you, you know, or Avengers, or we could do the DC Universe. Like, it's a total extension of what uh, celebrities are doing now. Already. I could totally see that kind of situation happening. You don't care about any of that.
2: If it normalizes even more geek and nerd culture, okay, why not? Yeah, even, it's, who cares what the motivation is? If the obviously the mo- it's Disney, the motivation is going to be to make money.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's something that they do extremely well. However, comma, look at the people that they're bringing, in. like the entire Avengers cast. Yeah, like all of those people. Seem like the type of person that you could just probably have a beer. with I and have wonder fun with. if they're they going to be able to get fun. all of them, though. Oh, Dude, all of them? Be... Probably
0: not. No. I mean, that's let's. But I would be... all the Disney Plus folks, Winter Soldier, oh, yeah. Falcon Captain America. I could totally America, see them on board. They would probably yeah, because they're the ones that need to promote right now. Exactly. Yeah, I would. I would actually be excited to see this, especially if it was streaming. Um, I also kind of wonder if this is another one of those Tom Holland wasn't supposed to say anything things because he's known <laughs> he's me. known for like letting something go. Uh, Nina is nodding her head at me right now. There was
3: this great video uh, with IGN. He walked up to them and he's like, "Oh, IGN, great!" And he goes, "Wait, are you guys live?" And they're
0: like, "No, no, no, we're not live." He goes, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> so they can so that some agent can come in and edit out whatever he says exactly then again I'm almost wondering with
2: the whole Tom Holland letting everything slip, slip thing whether or not that's planned I bet you that is like it's I gotta be planned
1: because yeah, it, 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 it creates, creates more hot it creates yeah.
2: hype it creates more content it Gets it gets people clicking
3: now maybe I'm alone on this but I think I would be tuning into it only and only if like only chris pratt and tom holland know how to play DD and everybody else is learning
0: so the thing that is chris, amusing. chris pratt yeah. oh yeah chris pratt from lake stevens here in washington uh, so that's our local connection there he i think has played at least according to tom holland tom holland said he never has and he wants to learn because it sounds fun especially mm-hmm. after doing this movie um i'll be wondering who else would be into off the top of your heads if you had three other avengers to pack into a D&D campaign with these two, who would it be?
3: I'd say Jeremy Renner would come back for it for sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, who, who would I
2: pick to do it? Yeah. Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, and... Paul Bettany would be down for it. Oh, that I could care. Elizabeth Olsen. Ooh. Because the, the personalities of those three would be hilarious. Also, yeah. just
0: back, so I would back Elizabeth Olsen quite a bit for that one. I would also, gosh, Sebastian Stan's another good one, too.
2: They're just so um, off-the-wall, goofy, quirky people that yeah. I j- it would just be funny. And I, I think they would totally get into it.
0: I think that you could probably get um, Robert De Jr. Hmm. Why did I want to say Robert De Niro? That was just, I, you I know, would put Robert De Niro Sam's in tonight. There. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would almost
3: argue that Robert Downey Jr. would probably not show up after 10 years of doing these movies and the fact that when it came down to Spider-Man. That's he, cute. He, he or, was like,
0: or would he be like, oh, I don't have to put on the suit. I can just sit down and hang out and do this. Because I mean, that's totally within his personality to just totally riff and do yeah. things. Yeah. I could totally Sipping a martini. Him. He's at this point where <laughs> I'm sure as an actor, he still wants to be an actor. But at some point, you also got to be like, if I can just walk into a room, sit down in my sweats, and and do this, I'm I'm fifty fifty on that one.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> honestly, Mark Ruffalo would be
0: down to it. You know, Mark, that would be a great one, only Ruffalo, because be he good.
3: still thinks he's fired, and he's like, "Do I have a shot?"
0: <laughs> I do. Ruffalo, uh, Johansson might be decent for it as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. uh moving on to another local connection, uh, I wanted to bring up a story that, uh, and this is mine here, one that I love very much: space economy. I am very much a proponent of talking about the space economy locally. Uh, You guys are all giving me weird looks right now. Um, That's just because you look funny. Okay, that's we already established that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I just don't want you to forget. GeekWire and CNBC have both reported SpaceX is aiming for a $250 million new investment funding. So, basically, they need a few more million to put towards their projects. This funding round is currently underway. It is going to be underway until mid-March. Most of this money, they say, is going to be slated for local connection. Redmond, and why Redmond? Redmond is where SpaceX makes Starlink satellites. Uh, Starlink satellites is what uh, SpaceX is doing to basically put internet in orbit, So that anybody can just get internet anywhere because the satellites are up, beaming down, broadband signals to us. They have about 300 of these already. So a hotspot orbiting
3: the planet that helps the whole world have. Exactly. Yeah, they're launching it in
0: North America first, but they'll probably move it out into uh, the international uh, market eventually. Uh, At least they're going to start it in North America probably as soon as later this year. It's already starting debates about these things are actually quite easy to see in orbit, and you're gonna wonder if you have 300 and more coming. If we're gonna be shooting rockets up, are we just gonna be like hitting satellites on the way out of the this planet? Is,
3: this is so funny because when I was before I got on the plane to go to Korea, everyone was talking about how good the Wi-Fi is in Korea and how you can get it everywhere. And I'm yeah. sitting here thinking that they put up a bunch of like radio towers on top of their tallest buildings. And that way they can broadcast this hot spot all over the country. And then I get there and they're like, no, their businesses are just really good. So now yeah. when you're talking about this, I'm like, that's what I thought was happening in Korea. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, this is an
0: Elon Musk thing. So, it, which, it which is. of course he's a character unto himself and
3: he's an alien, he,
0: he, you know, he probably is. He's that Robin like Williams
3: that. character, that, that 80s sitcom show that he did. Well, Mork, Mork, and Mork, Mindy? Mork and Mindy? Yep, that's Elon. I guarantee
0: it. One of my favorite episodes of that, just side note, is when mm. Mork figures out what Christmas is and he runs around terrified of this Santa Claus person that's running <laughs> around. Claus. Anyway, um, I find this fascinating, but particularly because if they actually do get $250 million more million for this, Redmond is going to be even more hopping than already is. I don't think people realize what's going on in Redmond. Aerojet Rocketdyne just got a Lockheed Martin contract to basically make the <clears throat> propulsion systems on the Artemis missions where Redmond is literally propelling us back to the moon at this point point. and on top of that we have satellites for broadband internet going into orbit also out of Redmond Redmond is probably a place to be right now in my humbly correct opinion
3: <laughs> I don't know man there's Honestly, that kind of worries me a little bit. scares well, how me a little bit. Why? Okay, so the way this is the way I'm looking at. It. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know, Amazon, you are. Amazon and Microsoft. You go through Kirkland. You can't aff- afford a f- house out there. Yeah. Why? Because those jobs have taken over that neighborhood. Yeah. And if this comes into fruition, those kinds of jobs are going to come in. Nobody's going to be able to live in a Redmond unless you're making three figures. So. There's a bit of worry because I'm not gonna lie, this science sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah, but you're saying am, the business end of this is but gonna the ruin bus- it for everyone, yeah, else. a little so, bit. So, do
2: we hold up progress? Yeah, prices? honestly, I, mean, I think no, I'm, like, I, I, I'm just I, I, gonna move out. Well, <laughs> like, okay. speaking, I like, okay, so, I know it's kind of callous to say that, but no, no, but, no.
3: I think we just need to find – if there, if only there was a way to make it work and not have to jack up the real estate prices, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I'm not saying we should do one thing or another because I'm not in so any
0: – I don't know how long you guys have lived in the area. Um, I, I'm assuming most military folks that come in through the bases are transplants of some kind. Sure. But I grew up here around in the 90s. Same. And it just seemed like back then I remember my parents talking about this stuff. And everybody could have invested in a lot of stuff then, but nobody ever wanted to. And then the traffic just got worse and then nobody wanted to fix that still. So now we're here to the point where like backtracking with light rail and buses (laughs) when we probably should have just done that in the 90s when there was a lot less people here. Uh, And now it's more uncomfortable to even do any of this stuff. Um, Well, sorry, that was going down like a huge rabbit hole, but. I think you're a little bit right, though. The east side has always been a little bit like the east side, if I, if I, you know, wink, wink. No offense to the east siders there. I grew up a little bit on the plateau of Issaquah, so I can somewhat speak to this. Um, I actually think that we're probably going to see a lot more of the outer reaches of, uh, you know, outside of that Issaquah plateau area, outside of the inner east side, because um bellevue had like a crane garden going on in the 90s trying to build up more uh tall buildings amazon is pumping i don't know how much more hundreds of thousands of square feet of office space that's where i'm as far as i'm concerned that's where hq2 is hq2 is bellevue yeah um we got google moving into there we've got more spacex so this inner area it's basically going to be the lake washington tech hub seattle on one side uh, the East Side, uh, Kirklands, Bellevue, and all that—it's it, all going to be just an extension of what we've seen in South Lake Union, and everything else is going to be where the rest of us people live. <laughs> yeah, know? outside on the plateau, the Carnation area, all of that, and we're probably going to have to take gondolas or something to get into to town. But yeah. that's that's where that's the future—at least I see until we get flying cars. Yeah,
3: those were the days.
0: it's the year 2000 where's my flying car i uh well actually that's coming too and there's local connection for that if i really want down in oregon they actually have a company that's producing a flying car that's partnered with airbus so eventually i don't think i'm gonna be in it but jeff bezos will probably be in it and he'll be he'll be (laughs) flying between hq1 and hq2
3: all the rich people yeah who can afford it Uh,
0: (laughs) which brings us to our third story Mm -hmm. I recently spoke with Brian Morris of Renton City Comic Con. He is the CEO um, of the whole operation. There's three owners. He's the one that kind of takes lead on things. At least he used to be uh, the CEO of Renton City Comic Con. He is now CEO of what is being called, wait for it, King Con. There's a little bit of a rebranding going on. And if you've already thought that King Con sounds like something, yes, Their mascot is basically a giant gorilla. I already asked them if they uh, consulted their lawyers. They said yes and they're all good. So without further ado uh, just get some a little bit of the basics here from Brian about the coming of King Con. We started this in 2016 as Renton City Comic Con Uh
4: and the acronym we use is RENCON. It has morphed over the past four years. In order to become bigger than we are today we have to change Um, you'll find a lot of other comic cons that are in distress because they keep following the same pattern over and over and over again so as we were looking at our model of what we are we suddenly discovered if we don't grow beyond the boundaries of our little city to incorporate a regional feel we're going to die it won't be successful. And so we've come to the point where we're going to rebrand what we do. Drum rolls. We won't go on the mic, but. Yeah. Okay. Drum rolls here. Blah, 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 blah. The new name of the con is going to be called King Con. Okay. All right. Uh, so it's now, a play, play off of three things. Okay. It's a playoff of we are in King County. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Yep. Yeah. So we want to be a convention that celebrates everything that is geek and nerdy and all that that culture mm-hmm. we want to celebrate it in an experiential event over a weekend the other thing it's playing off of is of course king kong yeah that's just fun yeah our little mascot you'll find out is actually a little gorilla okay
0: and uh, he's totally adorable he's really cute um, Probably based on the gorillas that are very common and native to the Cascade Mountains here.
4: Uh, well, more commonly associated <laughs> with video games. And then also, we have a dream and a goal, and we want to become bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. We want to be the 800-pound the gorilla in the south end here. It'll I be exciting. have one
0: curious question for you. I didn't plan on asking it, but just listening to what you just said, um, making it more of a regional thing one year you guys had to go over to Tequila for a whole host of factors. You drew in a lot of different parties that were not currently involved at the time. Did that influence this saying hey, that's
4: that's part of what influenced it. What we encountered was a lot of civic and community organizations outside of Renton who did not have their own convention or anything like this and they really want to be a part of it. But they found it hard to be a part of something that was just localized within one city. I totally understand that, Mm -hmm. nothing against Renton. We love Renton and we are planning on staying here. But if we could rebrand ourselves so that other entities would then feel encouraged and to feel part of our family, that's where we wanna be. We wanna be inclusive of all these other entities out there and these corporations and and businesses and cities and organizations to say this can be your con
0: as well. Is there anything so, else that I'm not asking you? That you think yeah, let me help?
4: let me just real briefly um, the three legs of what we're going to be. Um, the first one we're going to embrace even farther than we are right now is the esports and gaming world. Mm-hmm. We're going to pull in the esports um, competition and gamers into what we're doing. The second one is also every con does cosplay, but we are super big on cosplay and contests and the panels we put on. And the third one is um, we've been doing it a little bit, and that's the whole science leg. Yeah bringing in top-rated scientists who actually talk about the science behind the science fiction. And having
0: top-rated podcasts moderate their discussions. Exactly. Which you is, should go back and listen to that episode, everybody, by the way.
4: That's right. Yeah. Yes, we will still have vendors and artists. Yes, we'll still have all the other aspects that you love to have in a con. They will all be incorporated in those within those three legs of what we're doing. So we're pretty excited the direction it's going to go.
0: Okay, again, that was Brian Morris, CEO of what is now King Con. They want to pull in not just Renton, but the Kent and the Tequila and maybe bring in all these smaller south-end cities that don't get a lot of attention. It'll be like a school of fish. Many little fish make one big con. And in doing that, I have a theory that I'll promote that Renton has always had an interesting funding mechanism that not a lot of other conventions do. As far as I can tell, no other convention does this. No other convention goes out for uh, lodging tax funds, which is essentially tax funds that uh, you pay at a hotel, and then organizations like this go out and they try to get them so that they can put on their uh, events. I'll give you an example Halsbo is a Norwegian town. They have a thing called Viking Fest. Well, Viking Fest gets uh, LTAC funds, lodging tax funds, every year so that they could put on this big parade and everything for everybody in town. They want to do that with Rencon, and I have a feeling by uh, turning that into KingCon, they'll probably be able to partner with other chambers of commerce, other cities that are larger than Renton, which... I don't mean this to sound mean or anything, but it is a smaller town in the grand scheme of, of the Seattle metropolitan area right now. But Have you guys ever gone to uh, Rencon before in previous years? Yes. I know as cosplayers, it's a big cosplay scene there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've gone twice. I went in 2017 and eighteen, I believe. Okay. Um, it, it's a lot of fun.
0: Uh, 18 we- was in Tequila, right?
2: Yeah, they took there, there was hotel, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah there was the we went the first year we went they basically took over that little square area mm-hmm. um, they were spread across a few buildings so I actually really enjoyed that in so, downtown Renton yeah, right? yeah in, in I, downtown yeah. Renton that is the biggest where, selling point for them, where I think. the kickoff yeah. the cons was this year it was yeah. it, they had that building and they had that nice little park area right out front which yeah. was really and that it. Their dates are really nice because it's the beginning of September. So you're catching the tail end of summer. So it's your right. outside is just gorgeous. And you only had to walk a couple blocks to a couple of the other buildings.
0: You um, know, it's so funny. So you have been going to RenCon as long as Northwest Nerd has been get, tr- basically getting table space at RenCon. Mm-hmm. I think the first year we didn't know what to do. It was our first convention. So we just right. made a photo booth. I agree. So far, RenCon, as I've seen it, has been in it has been at a community college, and it was downtown I think the one selling point this convention has, and I told them the same thing. I've offered them free advice as much as they want. Downtown Renton is your selling point. Downtown yep. Renton between those buildings. Heck, partner with all the other small businesses. Put put a bunch of, you know, vendors in Boon Boona, you know, like that coffee space. Get that whole downtown because no other convention has that. I mean, in your downtown has a dragon peeking out over a giant build like you have dragons in your downtown. Like use that and have everybody walk up and down your main street. That's my just that's my opinion. But um I think that's a total. I, I totally point. agree. I and I enjoyed it. My yeah. family enjoyed it. It was great fun. What about a King Con though? Like what do you think about as a as a South End? We have Jet City, which is at Tacoma. Yeah, but you that
2: know. that's still that's uh Pierce County. Right. Not, right. Uh not King County. Um but I I actually I kind of like think that's probably a good idea for what they're trying to do if they want to expand um you that's probably going to be their quickest way to expand um and get more funding get more space get more people in get more of the celebrities i'm not that big on having the the celebrities at the cons but they most yeah. a lot of people do that's a huge draw if they want to get more people i can totally see that as a uh, as a
0: uh, a mechanism to doing that. Um, you know, that's interesting. Both of you probably come from a cosplay perspective. Yeah. What do you guys, what is your formula for a good convention? Cause for example, if I go to a convention, I actually do look for the celebrities, mainly the Star Trek celebrities, right. because that's my, my nerd niche. I want, uh, the bridge crew of the next generation—that's who I'm looking for. So, so celebrities is a factor for me, but you're not the first person I've heard say, "You know what? Forget the celebrities. I want to go back to the comic creators. That's why I'm going there." But you're also cosplayers. So, what is your formula for con? Socializing, I'd say socializing social is
3: the is the big thing. My went there for the first time ever at Emerald City Comic Con. My I was dressed up as Deadpool and my favorite experience. I mean, yeah, I met some of my childhood celebrities, but mm-hmm. my favorite experience was meeting people. That yeah. Grew to become great friendships over time. Um, <clears throat> my second favorite thing I would have to say is the, the shopping, the vendors. Yeah. You can find so many amazing collectibles, statue figurines and the comics. Yeah. The comics are always amazing. Out of my price range, but it's really <laughs> awesome but to you see. You can look at them. Yes, I can yes. look at them. Although, um, just last year at Emerald City Comic Con, I lucked out because this guy was holding a non graded Captain Marvel's very first appearance in DC Comics, uh, Shazam. When they, oh yeah. when they bought him. And they brought him into. How old would that have been? That would have been
0: 50s, 60s? Uh, his
3: character is around 50s, 60s. Yeah, but, I think it didn't come. But 70s. he didn't come into. Yeah, he didn't come oh, wow. into. Yeah, because there was a lot of going on because Legal, Marvel man. Comics came in. They're like, well, we want a character called Marvel, and you can't have a <laughs> character named Captain Marvel. That would be confusing. And I'm over here going, I mean, it's not Captain Marvel's fault that DC was a total jerk face. To a small little comic company that had the greatest idea for a superhero. You mean to tell me as a child when I'm reading comic books I can imagine myself saying a magic word and become basically Superman?
0: Which was way better than what I got as a child, by the way. When I was a kid, there was these commercials for kids' underwear, all right? And they were marketing them towards kids, like five and six years old. If you put on He-Man underwear, all of a sudden, the kid on the commercial turned into a cartoon of He-Man. And what was more important to me, when the kid who put on the Superman costume, or put on the Superman underwear, he flew out of his house as a cartoon Superman. I nearly snapped my leg wearing Superman underwear off the top stairs of my house (laughs) in Spokane at the time. So... I'm not gonna lie I would much rather just read a comic book about a kid who could I, say Shazam I love some that. idiot kid wearing underwear crying at the bottom of the stairs I,
2: I love that so what you're saying
0: is you're the reason why I'm there's warning notes on everything <laughs> <laughs> right no so
2: I love that small
3: derail real fast I did kind of the same thing with my Wolverine Halloween costume when I was like six or seven Mm -hmm. and when it came in the mail and the whole suit was really nice as a kid really cool but then the the knuckle blades that come out of his knuckles first of all they were plastic i was pissed off about that second of all instead of going up and down they were across so they wouldn't scratch people and i was like can i make a dire prediction here
0: did your mom wonder where her scissors went
3: no because (laughs) i put it on one time looked at the claws was too disappointed and never wore it again my mom was so pissed
0: one of the the saddest things you've ever seen is a little child crying in a wolverine
3: costume (laughs) right but um to, to get back on top of it um i i go to conventions for the vendors i mean celebrities can be nice if the if it's a celebrity that I really enjoyed as a child watching them Mm -hmm. on a screen. That's cool. Like I met Jason David Frank that I had to, when I was a kid, I wanted to be the green Ranger. Right. Um, So that's fun. That can be fun. But I mean, now that I've met a couple of celebrities, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) I want, I want to find those rare, cool items, whether it's a toy, uh, a statue figurine, a comic book, something really cool that I can take with me for the rest of my life and say look at my collection um and then cosplay like on one hand as fun and as fun as it is it can also be exhausting you got to admit it it kind of fuels your ego when you get stopped and a whole bunch of people want your photo
2: oh yeah. absolutely <laughs> <laughs>
3: <There's>, <laughs> it's great look at me I'm a star I've been holding this pose for 10 minutes I have not done yoga this hurts <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I'm not much for attention normally but like I, I get a little bit of a rush from uh, right. rush from it when I'm in costume at a convention um, but for me like what I look forward to most besides the cosplay t- aspect is I like going through and checking out the art that because uh, you get to see um, I mean you get your typical uh people doing their riffs on your typical comic books superheroes and stuff like that Uh, but then you get to see more of your individualized stuff that i Mm. really enjoy some very unique pieces um i also like seeing a lot of the indie comics that uh that you can find i've got i still haven't read it but i i picked up one last year it's a nice really thick one called sentinels which is uh centuries which is um like a a very different type of comic comic book superheroes uh, and i got to have a conversation with the guy uh, the guy that wrote it and uh did the artwork for it and it was you know you, you get to meet interesting people you get to see uh some really beautiful artwork um and i think that's um i'm not much of a artistic creative type uh most of the time this is like this is where I get my art, yeah fix from sure. uh, between making the props and like seeing that
0: kind of stuff. I agree, it's it's the unique kind of DIY indie stuff that I go there for. Mm-hmm. Not even so much like the comics, because I feel like if I wanted to find a comic, I could probably find them. A Comic-Con's a really good place to go if you really do want to search. But Dave Ryan Pop Art, for example, I'm not going to find him unless I go down to Pike Place Market and go to his shop. But if I go to any Comic-Con, I know I'm going to find him there, and I'm going to find whatever's newest that he's done. And he's an artist that I particularly like. Nobody does really what he does. Um, Eli Wolf is another one as well who I admire. So, like, those... Indie artists, that's generally where I go and I find them. Um, And I I discover new ones every single time that I go there. Um, And with that, I think I'm going to actually have to pull this to a close before, you know, people actually... Stop listening? Yeah, stop listening. Before we head on out, where can folks find you?
3: Uh, We're on YouTube, obviously, and I always put links for the other locations you can get us. We are on iTunes. Um, we are on Spotify now and we are on Podbean. Um, so you can find us there. Uh next week we'll be reviewing Har- uh, Deadpool. I mean Harley Quinn. I mean Birds of Prey. Um <laughs> throwing a little bit of shade. I love the movie, but we'll be we'll be discussing it in full. And then after that, we'll be talking about Sonic. There's military involved with Sonic. One of the awesome aspects about Geek Boots is we talk about. We, we criticize and critique when military is present in a film yeah. or something so there's gonna be some moments we're gonna talk about that about Sonic and then on top of that we've got to talk about the spiciest smokiest story out right now which is uh potentially depending on how DC comics does with their next series they could be looking at no longer publishing comics
0: I think this is the reason why their uh, CEO was dismissed this week yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think
3: that... Wow. Yeah, and then on top of that, here's something else that just to think about, Doomsday Clout came out. There was a reference to Thor. In 2030, Superman and Thor duke it out, and there's a reference to the big green behemoth, a.k.a., obviously, the Hulk, right?
0: So you think we're looking at a crossover?
3: Well, here's where it gets great. The new Thor series that they got going on right now, there's a panel of obviously... The Justice League in motion, uh-huh. Superman flying in the air, blue and red streak. Okay, there's a guy all shadowed up with a grappling with a like a lion coming by him, he's swinging around, and then there's a green um, uh, blur going through the sky, Green Lantern. So it's like people are speculating that maybe Marvel's about to buy out DC Comics. And finally, merge these two.
0: Okay. Well, one that is quite a. Usually, we have dire predictions. That is quite a prediction. Okay, I'm just gonna hold you to that. I, I would, I would be more inclined to say. This is probably another attempt at a crossover. How many times have Marvel and DC crossed twice? Have they done twice in the past? I wanna three maybe. Has it been three, three maybe?
3: I know of the one where Superman was able to pick up Mjolnir and there was a big fight right. with that. I right. know that one. And I also know that in the past they've done crossovers, but it's been like a one-on-one. So Batman and Punisher and Superman and Spider-Man. Yes. Those ones I do know of, but I feel like there was another big battle between them.
0: Okay, but if Marvel buys out DC... Not going to happen. What other big game is out there? Because I'm sorry, like as much as I love it, because these are Northwest comic creators, but Dark Horse and Image are still not batting at the level of DC and Marvel. So if you have DC and Marvel absorbed, one, maybe DC will make a decent movie at some point because of that. Two, um, (laughs) the toxic Marvel fanboy over here.
2: (laughs) The reason I am so Donna Justice is a masterpiece. I will fight you.
3: And come on now, Wonder Woman, Oh, Aquaman. Okay, we will have,
0: tell you what, we'll have a special recording for that later. We'll have like bonus edition. Uh, I'm just saying for that one. No, 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 seriously, because I would love to debate that. Um, Aquaman
3: made more numbers at the box office than, you know, most of the Marvel movies. And if
0: you want to hear the future of this conversation, (laughs) tune in when I release it. It'll either be on the cuts or something elsewhere. So you were saying where folks can find you. You guys have some Mm -hmm. stuff coming up. And as well, uh, your Emerald City Comic Con panel, which is when again? March 15th, Sunday, 145 to
3: 245.
0: And with that, the music you hear behind me right now is the Hoot Hoots, who have graciously donated their song as our theme music. The wonderful, wonderful Hoot Hoots. Um, Also, music by Kevin McLeod in the feature this week. The associate producer in this podcast is, of course, Brandon Haddix, who is taking care of the soundboard. We have also recorded this at the Ensign Haddix Studios, a.k.a. his apartment and uh with uh, an audience of one thank you audience of one all right awesome such a lovely foyer we have a patreon page that is under construction so uh give a <laughs> give a look to that if you will and if you um, don't want to donate to him donate to us yeah <laughs> <Donate for both. laughs> <I'm> just kidding <laughs> you can find us of course on facebook instagram and twitter if you haven't followed us that's Ridiculous! Why haven't you followed us yet? It's super easy to do, and you should do that. So go and find us on the socials. Next week, I have more interviews in the can, this time from last Lilac City Comic-Con. Yes, that's right. I still have them from Lilac City Comic-Con with artist Jen Vaughn, Seattle-based artist and also a Western Washington-based artist that I love. I always get something when she is at a Comic-Con, Joy Spurgeon, but you might know her better as Granny Gone Geek. And with that, I am Dyer Oxley with Northwestern.
3: Okay. I couldn't believe it was her. It was like a dream. But there she was, just as I remembered her. That delicately beautiful face. She was the kind of woman who made you want to drop to your knees and thank God you were a man. Yeah... She reminded me of my mother, all right. No doubt about it.
4: Oh, I've read this. I know what this is. (laughs) Break, snap
3: out of it. You're looking at her like she was your mother. What the hell are you reading? Naked Gun. (laughs) They just put them on Netflix. I'm like, hell yeah, childhood.